Looks like some kind of insect. A bee. Bees, Scotty. Killer bees. Are you endowing these bees with human motives? Do you have any idea what those bees can do? The honeybee is vital to the environment. Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Welcome to Killer Bees. This is not a Wu-Tang podcast. No, this is a podcast where we profile B-movie and genre film icons. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Tori Potenza. We can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at gmail.com. We're also part of the Movie John Podcast Network over on moviejohn.com. That's the Philadelphia John J-A-W-N our artwork is by Alex Schneider, and our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Pat. And today, we're talking about Isabella Johnny. Yeah. So excited. Yes, this is a... Uh, we watched a lot of good movies for this. And we ended up watching quite a few good movies yeah. for this. I can't wait to talk about and it. And had already seen like a decent amount of her stuff and liked it, so it was cool to watch uh, some of these other movies as well. Yeah, I've been a fan of hers uh, for a few years because of a Walter Hill movie called The Driver that we will talk about, yes. and I think that's kind of how she made it to my radar, and then, you know... Eventually, you make your way to possession and yeah. find out that she's like this really well-known, recognized genre icon. Yep. And yeah, yeah, and uh, is like an insane-looking person in like a wonderful way. Uh, there also. has never been a more symmetrical face in the history of human yeah, humanity. Yeah, she looks like a painting yeah. most of the time. Yeah, uh, and yeah, she looks like is, like a Renaissance painting. Right? Has it still looks incredible. She's like I think either in her sixties or seventies now, she and looks like insane. looks the same. Like the thing that everybody always says about Paul Rudd is more true of Isabella Johnny yes. than it is of Paul Rudd. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Yeah. actually. Yes, uh, I'm very excited to talk about her. Me too. Uh, do we have any movies or anything we want to talk about before uh, we jump in? Uh, yeah, I mean, I watched a movie yesterday that I liked a lot uh, and wanted to recommend to people. Uh, it's called Eight Million Ways to Die. Uh, this is a Hal Ashby movie. I'm not sure that I've ever seen any other Hal Ashby movies. I think I'm to understand it was the last movie he directed. I believe it was even taken away from him at some point due to a uh, alcohol and cocaine bender, to my understanding. Uh, it's a Jeff Bridges movie where he plays like an alcoholic ex-detective that gets caught up in the scheme um, with like some prostitutes and a drug lord. Uh, I don't think I told you this, Tori. Uh, can you? In a million years, you'd never be able to guess what the name of this detective is. His name is Scudder. Ooh. Detective Scudder. Uh, so it's it's a really good movie, but it's also like a very like cocaine fueled like high energy. Like Scudder sounds like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles villain or something. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, it's like the kind of movie where like when he goes to go to the drug lord's house, mm -hmm. he pulls into the driveway and then has to take a tram lift up a small mountain to the front door of mm. the mansion. Of course, uh, it is. Very entertaining in both like actually good ways and also like very cheesy Sunday afternoon TNT movie ways. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I fucking really dug it. Uh, so I highly recommend that. I think it's on Tubi. Uh, I believe Tarantino was talking about this movie on a podcast recently, and I think that's how it came across my radar. I can't really remember, uh, but uh, really, really enjoyed uh, 8 Million Ways to Die. 
Um, yeah, I mean, we didn't watch a lot because we were uh, visiting uh, my family for a week. Um, so some of the things we did watch, uh, we need to rewatch because my family does not watch films like we do. Uh, so <laughs> there's a, a lot of a good talking going yeah. on. Uh, but one thing we did discover, thanks to my sister Stanzi, who uh, you can find on TikTok. Uh, she's like got a pretty significant following there. Oh yeah, look up Stanzi Potenza. She's like basically a famous person at this point. Yeah, and she's very very funny. Yeah. Uh, she makes really good uh, things on TikTok and Instagram, and they keep getting taken down on TikTok because TikTok is fucking terrible to its creators uh but she was desperate to introduce to introduce us to uh, attack on titan mm-hmm. and we were like yeah sure whatever we'll watch it like it's like always a thing that like we're like I've been much more into anime and cartoons now too i think yeah uh, we've been watching a ton of it uh and so we were like yeah let's give it a shot and like i fucking love it uh we're like <laughs> yeah. halfway through season one uh and i we haven't watched any since we got back but i like can't stop thinking about this show um so it's been like a few days like maybe even a week now since we watched anything and yeah, i still it's true just... i assume we'll probably watch more after we record here uh, yeah tonight. the theme song is stuck in my head yeah. all the time uh the characters are really weird and crazy there's a lot of like really disturbing stuff in the show yeah. but also like very weird humor that i love uh and really works for me there for whatever is reason a very weird sense of humor throughout the show that i was yeah. very much enjoying yeah uh and like every time we're like oh whoa this like it keeps going to levels that like i am like not even expecting which is like kind of fun because every time i was like oh i bet this is gonna happen my sister was like okay but it's even crazier than that I even yeah. just in like the we're only like halfway through the first season but even in that i kept being like all right so like but what's like the big idea here and then I would kind of like, you know, I'd, I'd think of something like, yeah, that's probably it. That yeah. would just be like the plot of the next episode. Yeah. And so it's like, it's not the big idea. It's like every time I'm like, what's the really big concept here? Yeah. That's just like a small detail that they spend one episode on ultimately yeah. because whatever they're doing is like so much bigger than. Yeah. They just move past yeah, it so yeah. fast. I'm like, oh, oh, OK, cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, fully on board. So thank you, Stanzi. Yeah. Um, and then we also uh, rewatched when we were there because I wanted to show show uh Stasi his films uh we watched uh Wolf of Snow Hollow oh, yeah. which uh Jim we've Cummings. seen a couple times now uh definitely one of my favorite movies from last year that was really fun um, to rewatch that movie yeah, it's is so funny very funny and also like uh I think more thematically rich than I even yeah. kind of like totally uh recognized on, on yeah. first viewing he's I I think Jim Cummings is a very good director but also just a very good actor and uh like physical comedian as well. Totally. <laughs> he does a lot of good uh uh he uses his body well uh in his comedy. Yes, it uh yeah, so it was it was lovely to rewatch that again. Uh and it's definitely something that folks should check out. The way he throws people side eye is like <laughs> so fucking funny. It's that one scene when he's in AA and he's like kind of throwing shade at it, the like he, newspaper dude. I believe he says something like I had bad thoughts about Pete and then he throws Sada and goes, and his entire family. <laughs> He's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Very funny. Uh, yes. Uh, but yes, we can uh, get on to our episode on Isabel Ajani. Let's do it. Um, cool. 
So uh, Isabella Johnny has, uh, according to IMDb, uh, 54 acting credits and then a couple producer credits as well, uh, which I wrote down just because I know one of them is pretty intricate to like a big film that um, she was nominated for. Okay. Um, and then I found a quote that I liked as well, because that's the thing I've been doing lately. I love starting with these quotes. <laughs> I feel like you do a really good job of picking quotes that like set the tone. It's oh, great. Thank you. Yes. Um, so she says, um, I like films that rest in the memory. So I try and choose parts uh, which have some kind of social or emotional force. For me, being an actress is not just a profession, but a profession of faith. Oh, interesting. Um yeah, we're going to of faith. She picks a lot of interesting roles, so yes. it'll be uh, fun to talk about. Yeah, I did. I mean, I did feel like I noticed uh in in just what we watched that like it did seem like she had the opportunity to be very meticulous in like what she uh the roles that she chose yeah. throughout her career. Um so Isabella Johnny was born uh June 27th, 1955 in Paris, France. Uh her father uh was Algerian and her mother was uh German. Um which I think is interesting. We'll talk about this a little bit later because I think she actually kept the fact that she was Algerian like kind of uh, a secret or just oh. like didn't really talk about it hmm. um, due to like, I guess, racism um, hmm. that she, that Algerian people faced, mm -hmm. uh, which is not something I know much about, but is Me very either. interesting. Yeah. Um, but because of that, she uh, grew up like her first language was German, um, oh. which then she was also like learning France and uh, French, like living there too, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, one of the notes I have is that after winning a school uh, recitation contest, she began acting in amateur theater by the age of 12. Um, and she performs in French, English, Italian, and German. Uh, so she, it's pretty wild. And I, of her movies that we watched, did we only watch her in French and English? I think so. Although, like, some of the, some of the foreign films are interesting, too, because, like, the one we just watched... Uh, they do reference like Italians uh, and Germans quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out if they were speaking different languages depending on the characters, to but I too. wasn't totally sure. Me neither, yeah. But because but it seems like this is a thing with like a lot of like especially European productions yeah. that we watched. Um, and because I'm a dumb American, I just yeah. don't yeah. notice. Right. Uh, but it is like pretty interesting. So yeah, yeah, I I would like to know a little bit mm -hmm. more about that. Um. So she's also a, a singer and like has several like music credits on different films, um, most of which were not films that she actually like was starring in, which I also thought was kind of That's interesting. interesting. Um, in the seventies, Isabella Johnny shared an apartment with Isabel Huppert and uh, the late actress Christine Pascal. That is a wild. We're going to talk about a couple of relationships with hers that are wild to imagine, but it is very but those two. Yeah, wild Damn. to imagine those two Isabels living under one roof together because they're both Isabels I love, and, and they're, they're both insane, and they're both like stunning in like yes. very like like you almost feel threatened just to look at them. For sure, you know, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Johnny's uh, first, uh, she had a son in 1979 with the cinematographer uh, Bruno uh, Neaton. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how you say um, that. And then in 1995, she had another son with Daniel Day-Lewis, who she lived with from 89 to 94. Uh, so, that. again, another crazy combination of humans that were together for a significant period of time. That is the one that is most wild to imagine to me because, like, Having now seen a few of her movies, like a Johnny, and I mean, like the role that she is maybe most well known for is her like throwing herself into yes. 
you know, highly emotive states yeah. for her characters. And what Daniel Day-Lewis is known for is like throwing himself into his yeah. work and basically becoming like, you know, he's known for method yeah. acting. And, well, and so I like d- imagining these two. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That seems Wild. like that's a lot of fucking i don't know that seems like a pressure cooker to i me. i think it's actually the movie possession is about their it, relationship yes, right. that's the only thing that makes sense exactly to me. that is what that seems like to me yeah. right yeah um but i do think it's interesting because when we talk about like me- method acting i feel like i really only ever hear about that sort of thing men. in reference to men yeah and i feel like now that i like did some research on Najani and we watched a bunch of her films I am like much more like oh like if we do talk about fe- the female like version of this like I feel like she is like method acting and a lot of the things she does and that'll come up even in like how she talks about like roles that she's done or roles she picks. Um, so she is extremely committed to yeah. uh, every role. Like we even we saw at least one movie where she was like less of a main player and was still yeah. like very committed to what she was doing. Yeah. Um, also, I found this note. Uh, there's a whole article about like Daniel Day Lewis and like his dating history. Okay. And apparently, when she informed him he was pregnant, um, he dumped her by fax. Ooh, what? Yeah. And then eventually, like he I, apparently refused to pay child support, but eventually, uh. like changed his tune and has like a pretty good relationship with his son now but i don't think day lewis is a very good person from what i've heard so this just kind of solidified some of that for me if you'll excuse me but it sounds like he abandoned his boy (laughs) god damn it Oh, that was so good. <laughs> um, I do want to note that you have here, uh, she also dated Warren Beatty. Yet another crazy thing for me to try and imagine. Oh, yep. Uh, yeah, really interesting history yeah. uh, there. Um, I also just had this quote, which I think it's interesting when we talk about her films, too. Um, she says, it's rare to find a director who really likes and knows how to look at a woman through the camera. Um, so I just was like, oh, that's going to be interesting to like keep in mind as we uh, watch more stuff and talk about some of the films that, that she's done and who she's worked with. Is very interesting. Yes, yes. Because uh, that quote in a vacuum sounds like she's saying, like, I don't like to be objectified through mm-hmm. the camera. And she is this like very strikingly beautiful woman. And mm-hmm. it is she definitely has um, performed a few roles where that is like integral to the role that she is that kind of striking beauty for sure and i would say even in some of the more interesting roles there is some leering at her that seems to happen from behind the camera yes some she's also worked with some well uh, yeah i know i know problematic people oh yeah uh, Yeah, we're we're gonna get there yeah um so Yeah, her uh, film career starts in the 1970s. Uh, So in 1970, she was in a film called Les Petites Bouignons. Apologies for my terrible French, uh, which a lot of her early stuff is specifically French. Um, But this was her first film. It was a comedy drama, and she uh, was starring in it at the age of 14. Um, So she got started really young. Yeah. and then in 1972, she was in another film that translates to uh, Faustine and the Beautiful Summer. Uh, Faust- it's about a girl named Faustine who is just 16 years old and makes the most of her youth during a beautiful summer where she learns a lot about love. Okay. Uh, but in 1973, she was in a TV movie, which translates to women's school. Women's school. Yep. Do, 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 do. We're going to women's school. Yep. I'm sure that's what this French film uh, tonally was like, yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, and then in 1974, she was in another TV 
TV movie called The Miser. Okay. Um, and then she's in a film called The Slap, which is a comedy romance uh, about Gene, uh, a man who has divorced his wife and his mistress has left him. And he's trying to uh, have a better relationship with his daughter, who is played by a Johnny's character. Okay. Um, that's interesting. I actually kind of tried to look that one up because I, I think that is um, uh, somewhat well regarded, mm. uh, but, I, but I had trouble tracking it down. Um. She's then in a movie called Ariadne, uh, which is a adaptation of the legend of Ariadne and the Minotaur, which okay. I actually just read uh, a book called Ariadne, which is like a kind of like feminist retelling of Ariadne's story. Um, which... Is this from that series of books that are like that that you've been reading? You've read a few of these, right? These like feminist retellings of... Uh... It's not like a series. Okay. It's just, it seems to be like this weird subgenre that's okay. suddenly very popular. So like Madeline Miller is the first person I read who did Circe and yeah. Son of Achilles. Yeah. Um, but uh, a group of uh, our friends and I have kind of have an unofficial like mythology book club. Right. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff we've been reading. Okay. Um, um, and so, yeah, like we, I had just read that. So I thought it was uh, kind of fun that she also was in like a, a version of this as yeah. well. Um, in 1975, she does another TV movie called Ondine um, about a young fairy of the living waters uh, who marries a knight uh, named Hans. In doing so, she accepts the Ondine Pact. If Hans cheats on her, she will forget him and he will die. Sounds dope. I mean, that sounds like the best case scenario for yeah, a relationship. Awesome. Um. I yeah, actually, man, I would have been punished for this like so long ago. But yeah, it would be great if just like if you ghosted somebody you just fucking died you know what i mean <laughs> i mean you as someone who's been ghosted ghost. many times yeah. i that would be comforting the punishment for ghosting is you become a ghost <laughs> an actual ghost yeah yeah <laughs> i love it uh, the uh, she's then in a film called The Story of Adele H, uh, directed by uh, Francois Truffaut, uh, which is the story of Adele Hugo's unrequited love for a lieutenant. Um, a Johnny one uh, was nominated for an Oscar for Best Actress, making her the youngest woman nominated oh, wow. for Best Actress in a leading role at the time. That's cool. I looked this one up because it's a Truffaut movie, and I think yeah. this one's kind of available. Like we could have watched this if we wanted to, but it felt like. Truffaut is uh, not necessarily what we're covering on our yes. B-movie podcast. And so. I was actually shocked because I know her mostly just from like genre stuff right. that she actually does have quite a bit of like Academy Award nominated like film roles. I She may be a bit of a misnomer for our show and yeah. that I think maybe people... Like w because I know her from the driver and and like even possession, like I I mostly think of her as like a genre actress, but yes. like she is definitely a prestige actress just yeah. as much as she's a, a genre actress, yeah. Um, and then in 1976, she was in The Tenant, uh, which is an adaptation of Roland Toper's novel, which I own but have not read yet. Um, that <laughs> Roland Toper, who we will talk about again later in this list for Shockingly, a totally other reason. I can't wait to get yep. there. Uh, remember that name, folks. Um, yes. So uh, this is a Polanski film um, that's about this guy that's kind of losing his mind in an apartment that he has just rented which uh is a way you can boil down several uh polanski films yep. uh, really this one stars polanski as the yes. man who is sort of unwinding due to his own paranoia yeah. about his neighbors and his new apartment building yeah 
Uh, and yeah, it's like I, I I liked this movie. I thought this movie was good. This movie yeah. has like a pretty interesting. Um, it builds to a really interesting conclusion that I that I thought was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I have our own history with Polanski that uh, beyond just his own yes. being a, a bastard. Uh, yes, you know, uh, we had a bad experience at a Rosemary's Baby screening uh, in our past. Yes, uh, and so we we additionally to already disliking him for the man yeah. that he is uh, have found out that like. Yeah, I'm triggered for a whole other set of reasons yeah, now yeah. when uh, it comes to Polanski, which is great. Turns out maybe people that like and defend Polanski do that because they are also fucking assholes. Yeah, and um, not just because there are people like us who are like, okay, well, I'm trying to separate the art right. from the person. and right. it, Yeah, so right. that has made my feelings yes. even more complicated. Which, but wh- I, this was a movie that I had wanted to see for yeah, some time yeah. um, just because like I like these kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like I said, I have the books, so I like really want to read it. And I just... I. I'm very interested in these kind of like people descending into madness. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it just is unfortunate uh, that it is Polanski, but uh, and not I just also. That, you're fucking watching him the whole time. Yeah, too. yeah. yeah. Um, but at the very beginning, there's a dog that barks at him a lot. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, that dog knows he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I do think it's interesting in the context of like his actual life and stuff where it's like, this and Rosemary's Baby, and I've not seen it, but you confirmed for me that, um, uh, what's that other one? Repulsion. Repulsion. Repulsion's very um, good. You know, these like apartment movies he made that they are all basically about paranoia. Yeah. And it's like, gee, I wonder if this fucking, I mean, he stars in this one. It's like, yeah. I wonder if this fucking guy is obsessed with paranoia yeah. and feelings of paranoia because he himself is living a life that he's paranoid he'll be discovered of, you know? like yeah. And yeah, there is there is like this, she's not a huge role in it, but there is this like young girl that's present in the film that like immediately just kind of makes my like stomach yeah. churn. Like yeah. when, and it's just like, ooh. Yeah. But, um, but a, a, a Johnny's good. I, it is in, also interesting though. I feel like he uh, is mostly utilizing her look and not necessarily just her acting chops because she's actually not in it as much as I would have thought she's considering not in she it a lot top, like yeah. top billing she's like ba- she's like billed as the co-star yeah. even though she's in maybe 10 minutes of the movie yeah. but what I will say is I this is one of my favorite of her performances that oh, we watched okay. I thought she because she was doing something I had never seen her do like mm. I had seen a few of her roles at the point where we watched this one yeah. and she's always you know I guess in um, possession she's like pretty high wire right but like yeah in the driver and a few of the other things I, I have seen, she's very like cool and mysterious mm. and aloof and like like you can't read her. She's like unreadable. Mm-hmm. This movie, she's like loose and relaxed and like she's got this kind of like hippie persona going on in the yeah. way that she looks. I love how she styled. I love the way she styled. Yeah. She looks incredible. She's letting her hair be kind of like big and messy. She's got these huge glasses mm-hmm. on. Um, she wears these like big coats and stuff and she but she's like really relaxed in her mm-hmm. performance and she feels like very warm to me in mm-hmm. a way that I had never really seen her before and I was like oh my god she's like a totally different woman in this movie yeah. than I really like picture her in my head mm-hmm. and that was like fascinating to me I really like loved that about this movie like getting to see her just like be a totally different kind of yeah. person to me sort of see that like she has this wider range than I sort of expected you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, um, so sure. that was like a big revelation to me in this movie. And, and otherwise, I mean, the, the camera work's really great in this movie. There's a lot of good stuff about this movie, yeah. but I just, 
I don't know, the Polanski of it all just makes it like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Which we're about to talk about another movie later where it's like, I'm going to go like, yeah, fuck all that. Ignore all that because the movie's great, you know? I know. Um, so I, I can be of two minds of this thing. I think I have complicated feelings about these yeah. kinds of things. And in the case of Polanski, there's just, uh, we have personal baggage on top of the baggage, yeah. on top of the baggage, you know? So, the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, then she does a film called um, Baracko. Um, the plot follows a young woman who convinces her boxer boyfriend to accept a bribe to tell a lie that discredits a local politician. When the boyfriend is murdered, she is raked with guilt until she meets the killer and plans to remake him into the image of her slain lover. Holy shit, what? I, Wild. I would have looked this one up. I didn't. I missed this one in the list. This yeah. sounds crazy. Yeah, it was like, when I first looked at it, I was like, oh, is this like drama about her falling in love with a boxer and then I like actually read the rest of it and was like oh holy shit this sounds kind of wild sounds wild yeah um, in 1977, uh, she's in the film uh, Violets and Francois, which is like a comedy drama. Mm -hmm. And then in 1978, she is in The Driver, which was directed by Walter Hill. Which, Hell uh, yeah. We, we love. Um, she... I love this movie. I spent, I've, we've probably talked about this before, I spent like $150 on a region-free Blu-ray player just so I could yeah. own this one movie. Which has been well worth the money considering yes. how much weird stuff we have bought for the region-free yes. player. And I've watched this movie like probably half a dozen times yeah. since buying it because it's highly rewatchable. I think it gets better every time. I fucking love The Driver. People should seek it out and I think it's a little hard to see but you should yeah. see it. Um, yeah, she's she's really great in this film. Uh, what is unfortunate though is that well, I guess she agreed to be in the film because she was a really big fan of Walter Hill after seeing his film Hard Times. Yeah, which is one I still haven't seen uh, and I've heard good things about. Um, she later complained that she felt like the film hurt her career. Um, afterwards, the only American offers I got were bad ones. Um, I did it really because of the story of Adele H. Everyone urged me to make a Hollywood film. I turned down several and felt I couldn't continue to do that. So I liked Walter Hill. Only later did I realize I'd made a terrible mistake. You know, I've read this quote before, and I sort of I'm very curious what she really like means by that. Yeah. If it's because she is just the beautiful one you know i mean because she put so the, the or movie if it's just like it didn't get like i mean like it was hard for us to find this movie we had to buy oh, yeah, a region free player and I think to it, watch it i think it was like a flop when it came out yeah. i don't think it really like landed very hard yeah um and it you know it's like a very stripped down action movie yeah um where literally everybody's names are the driver the connection the detective mm -hmm. the, nobody has names she's the connection yeah um, and so she's like a significant role. She is like the, you know, probably the third build performer in the yeah. movie uh, and has like I, I, what I think is like a really good role in the movie. But like she is meant to be the like mysterious uh, femme fatale, yeah, femme fatale beauty. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, I don't know if she just means like, hey, this movie didn't make enough of a splash. So why did I do it? Or if she's yeah. saying something more about like the kind of role she thought she'd just end up getting mm. if she did American movies. Yeah. I don't really know. You know, it's like. Yeah. I mean, it seems, I mean, to me with that context, it's like, oh, everyone said I need to make it to Hollywood. So I'll work with this guy I really like and that'll be my big splash for Hollywood. And then it didn't do well. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe there could have been yeah. like, you know, the role, yeah. like work with I mean, Hill, like, production, whatever. It, like, it is a movie where it's like everybody is one dimensional. Yeah. That is like the thing, you know? it's Which like is she's like fun. Yeah, like yeah. I love, I, I love this movie. I love how it feels. Uh, I think 
she is like perfectly cast in totally. that sort of role. She's so mysterious. Yeah. She's doing that very like cold aloof thing in it. She's got that really great black hat yep. that I love so much she that just like makes her look this. really it does give her like this forties like noir yeah. uh kind of look, which I really like. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a neo noir, I would say, right? Like it's, yeah, it's, for it's sure. got that vibe of it. It's part of what I love about it, the way it looks, the way all those lights look. You yeah. know, Hill captures that kind of like late. I night mean Hill and Man thing. are just like yeah. amazing when it comes to this kind of filming yeah yeah um and, and she's great in this i think but i but you know i do wonder if she means like yeah i mean it's not the kind of like layered thing that i you know it's like yeah i i was literally there to look a certain way on camera and it's like to me it's like yeah that's what's great about this movie is mm -hmm. it knows you are iconography you like and can use you and turn you into iconography you know yeah. um but maybe as an actress that was like unfulfilling yeah maybe you know? Um, and then in 1979, she was in Nosferatu the Vampire, directed by Werner Herzog, Hell which yeah. uh, I think I, I've seen, we've both seen his like uh, Bear Man documentary. Yes. Uh, but maybe Is that what that's, that's called? Bear Man? It might be called Bear Grizzly Man. Man. Grizzly Man. That's I was like, it. it can't be Bear Man, can it? <laughs> is Grizzly Man better? <laughs> Somehow, yes. Okay. I can't explain it, but Bear Man is, yeah. Um. Yeah, I I've weirdly seen that movie a couple times because I watched it in like high school. Oh man, I can't imagine seeing it again just because that 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 uh, audio at the end is so. Uh, oh, it's uh, rough. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I this was the first like film of his that I've seen, and so I really only know him too. as like a crazy you know actor. Oh, I mean, our generation mostly knows him like as kind of a like a meme, basically. Yeah. You know, like. Everyone knows Ziverna Herzog is observing the world for us yeah. through his own camera. To see that life is but a blessing. He just like, you know, he's like, I mean, he he's muses great. like philosophical about yeah. things. And that's how we all think. We all think of him as like a Paul F. Tompkins character. I mean, he was basically. just in The Mandalorian yes. doing a very same, like, I want to see the baby. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. kind of like goofy lines. Yes. Um, but like, you know, adore him for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was cool to actually see like one of the films he directed. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty good too. I liked this movie. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. It's so interesting and it's been a really long time since I've seen the original Nosferatu. Which I have never seen. But like there's so much about this that feels really similar to that. Uh, even just like, you know, a lot of people talk about kind of the, the phallic symbolism mm -hmm. uh, of that movie. Like a lot of that feels very similar. Um, but it also felt very much like a uh, direct like adaptation of like Bram Stoker's Dracula. And I can't really remember if that's what the original Nosferatu feels like. Because in my head, th those two things seem really different to me. Yeah, they seem distinct to me. And yeah. again, I've not seen Nosferatu, so I don't know. But yeah. m my understanding was that it is not a Dracula story. It's yeah. like, a, you know, and so I kind of like the idea of like, I'll take the the iconography yes. of um, Nosferatu and apply it to yeah. The Dracula story because he's referred to as Dracula yes, throughout. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and as far as I know, like it is like you know because we've seen the uh, Dracula um, that was directed Todd Browning by Todd yeah by Todd Browning yeah the Universal movie. the Universal one yeah. yeah so we've seen that one and I was like oh yeah like I know like all of these beats and like how the story yeah. goes like this guy is just like helping him buy a house and gets roped into Dra visiting Dracula's castle and all yeah. of so I was like oh yeah like I know all of this story as we're watching it it is layered with a lot of other interesting stuff like um 
it's they kind of use Dracula to be this like bringer of the plague. Yeah. Uh, there's like all of these rats that follow him to uh, the new the new place that they're living. I which think is there's really like you know a not so subtle criticism of like just general racism toward immigrants that yeah. he's like this foreigner that brings the plague with him. You yeah. know, like. Um, yeah, and that there was that great line about like somebody says something like uh, "Stop the black coffins," you know, like oh yeah, because uh, that's what it, uh, I, I thought this movie was actually pretty funny. Um, yes, th- there's like I think a a sense of humor to all of this, and it's unclear to me how much is Herzog just knowing that Kla- Klaus Kinski plays um, Dracula mm-hmm. in this, and Klaus Kinski's version of Dracula is like extremely sad. He's like very much like a broken, sad yeah. being that like basically has been crushed by his eternal life and is sick of carrying the weight of eternal living around with Mm -hmm. him and seems to just want to fucking die and be done with the misery of continuing to live forever. Uh, It's like this very sad take on like Dracula. And it's unclear to me if it's like, Herzog just kind of knows that like that's what he's gonna get out of Klaus Kinski because Kinski's like such a weirdo and like putting him under all that makeup every day is just gonna make him like yeah, be like, like you know hours of makeup yeah. every day yeah like it's unclear to me if he knows that and he knows that that's just gonna be kind of funny and then just sort of like crafts a movie around that like because Herzog has this like weird antagonistic relationship with Kinski like, or is Kinski so depressed by everything that's going on that right. he's just like bringing that to the Dracula character or is he a smarter actor than I want to give him credit for. Yeah. And is like, no, no, this is a tragic, like Dracula is a tragic yeah. character. And, you know, it it's really interesting because there is something very funny about how sad he is as Dracula. Yeah. Um, uh, but there's also something very affecting about it. I, I thought this movie was like kind of emotionally affecting. Yeah. And what I like about this movie, too, uh, is that so she plays Lucy, who is the character that like, you know, Dracula becomes like obsessed with. Yeah, Lucy and- Harker. Right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and wants to turn. And, like, you know, usually Lucy is just this kind of, like, very, uh, like, very pure, like, beautiful, like, idealistic, like, woman. Yes. Um, but I feel like a Johnny's, like, uh, take on that, it is still, like, very dark. Uh, like, I love that one, Lucy is a character that, like, kind of has premonitions and, like, knows that, like, something bad is coming and is, like, you shouldn't go to Transylvania. Yeah. And, of course, no one listens to her. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then even later, like, when Dracula visits her, she, like, really holds her own against him and is, like, kind of, like, kind of, like, goes toe-to-toe with him in a way that I feel like I've never really seen with that character before. So I, like, loved that interpretation. I thought that was really cool, too. Yeah. Yeah, she she plays Lucy with a kind of strength that I think that character is usually just like not given the space yes. for, you know. Yeah, because no one's listening to her. Even the the character, um, it's Harker. What the hell's his name? No, I'm talking about the the uh, typical like vampire hunter. Uh, oh, oh, Van Helsing. Van yes. Helsing. Yeah, Van Helsing. The entire movie is like, oh no no, like superstition, boo, like science, yay, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so like just like keeps telling her that she's wrong and not listening to her. So I I loved that she like she is the one that is like no I actually know what's up and what's going on. No one's going to listen to me, so I guess I'm just going to have to take care of all of this myself. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um and uh I I also thought this movie was really well directed. It's like a yes. really good looking movie. Yeah, it's um, really cool. I I liked this. It made me want to watch some more Herzog movies. 
Um, and, you know, we talked about her always looking like she is a painting. Uh, oh, God, this movie especially, right? Like the way she's lit and stuff. But one of the notes that I have here just because of that is the cream dress with red sleeves worn by her um, is almost an exact replica of the dress worn in the painting La Belle Is- Isulette uh, by William Morris. Oh. Uh, so he they like literally are, was going for that. Yeah, like that's what they're trying to do is like make her look like a painting. Yeah. Um, and then her co-star in this, the character that plays Renfield and gives one of the most insane Renfield performances I've ever seen, uh, is, uh, Roland Toper, the writer of The Tenant. Yes. Uh, which is like, what a weird fucking connection. Well, and for us, we watched this first. We watched Nosferatu the Vampire and spent like a lot of time going like, that was fucking wild. Like, that, who is this crazy Who the fuck actor? is that guy? Because, like, it's not that this movie uh, th- th- has no camp performances or anything like that. Yeah. It's a, but, like, he is going way harder at this than anyone else yeah. in this movie. He's, like, playing a different tone than everyone else in this movie. Yes. Going so over the top at this, like, weird cackling that lasts too long. Yep. Shots that linger on him being, like, a real fucking weirdo. Yep. And it's the guy, and then we watch the tenant, and his name pops up on screen as the author of the tenant. Yep. What the fuck? I know it's such a weird connection. It's so strange. I realized that and was like, oh, okay, like yeah. I don't know why this How? happened. How? Yeah, yeah like because I, I know that name from that book and yeah. from him being a writer. Like, did not know that he had an acting career, and maybe it's not a significant one. I actually haven't looked into it still. Yeah, right. uh, but I just. Yeah, one of the strangest Renfield performances ever. And, like, I genuinely love how crazy Renfield gets. I really love the actor that plays him in the Universal Dracula. Yes. Um, I can't remember his name, but he ends up being, like, a Universal guy that is in, like, a bunch of these different uh, yeah, Universal Monster right. movies. God, what is that actor's name? He's in, like, almost all of them yeah. in small roles. And his performance as Renfield is fantastic, but, yeah. like, this guy takes that to, like, he, he like, times ten. It's yeah, yeah. wild. Um, and then the other note I had, just because we both commented on this moment, uh, Werner Herzog was the person who sticks his foot in the coffin and gets his toe bitten by a rat. Oh, really? Yeah, because we were both like, ew, like, yeah. did that rat just bite that guy's foot? Like, why, <laughs> yeah. why would you be poking around with your foot in, like, a container full of rats? Yes. And that is, is Herzog. Of course it so is. So funny. That is funny. Um, and then, uh, same year, 1979, she does the movie The Bronte Sisters and, uh, is, plays Emily Bronte with Isabelle Huppert, who plays Anne Bronte. Oh, that's interesting. I'd like to see them, especially now, knowing that they were roommates. I know, very See them play the Bronte Sisters? That's interesting. Um, and then we get to her roles in the 80s. So, in 1981, she was in a film called Claire et les, uh, Chic Teeps, uh, which is a comedy, uh, and then she's in uh, the movie uh, The Quartet, which is a romance film, and then is in Possession uh, with Sam Neill, yeah. um, which, of course, we have seen. Actually, our friend Dan let us borrow it, um, uh-huh. I think, like, right before quarantine happened. That sounds right. Um so yeah, I mean, this is a movie that like I had of course seen the iconic uh Ajani scene where she is just like like puking and kind of losing her shit in like a tunnel. I mean, it looks like she is like harming herself like yeah. actually in that uh, performance. But holy shit, yeah. I this is a movie I also want to rewatch cuz I've only seen it the one time. Same. And there's so much like interesting stuff going on that I feel like you just can't take it all in in one watch. Like I just read an article recently about like 
this movie being a, just simply about how terrible divorce is yeah, and like yeah. how it tears people apart. I think I've heard that too. Which that is this... so, so interesting because it is about this couple that like are not close anymore. Um, she ver- is very obviously like met someone else or something else mm-hmm. and Sam Neill is like kind of a bastard to her anyway but he's trying to figure out what's going on um, so it's just these two people that are a fucking wreck together yeah um, and then there's all of this like supernatural element that's like also happening to it but um, yeah I mean she gives like this is like one of her like balls to the wall like batshit crazy performances yeah um, and yeah, I mean, her I, and Neil are fantastic together. They are. They're both really good. And I think this is probably what most people know yeah. her for and yeah. from, I think, is that that particular scene in this yeah. movie. Well, I feel like genre people probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like maybe, like, you know, maybe more mainstream people do know her from her, like, Academy Award winning yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of uh, yeah. performances. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, this is... This is a big one that I'm with you where it's like, it felt like too much of a meal for me the first time I saw yes. it. I felt like I didn't really totally know what I was... Because it's just so strange. Yeah, I, I, I almost had like no reaction to mm-hmm. it, you know, because it was like there was just so much and I didn't know what to grab onto. Yeah. Or, and so I would really like to see it again because there's definitely some like really incredible filmmaking yeah. and, and her performance in particular is like, I, I, again, it's like showing you yeah. the 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 breadth of what she can do as an actress and sort oh, of the sure. lengths that she can go, you know? I mean, this seems like it must have been an exhausting film oh, God. to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, she she has this quote about the film, and she says, Possession is only the type of film you can do when you are young. Um, he is a director that makes you sink into his world of darkness and his demons. It is okay when you are young because you are excited to go there. His movies are very special, but they totally focus on women as if they are lilies. <laughs> it's quite an amazing film to do, but I got bruised inside out. Um, it was exciting to do. It was no bones broken, but it was like, how or why did I do that? Uh, I don't think any other actress ever did two films with him. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, uh, yeah, totally makes sense given uh, what we've seen her do. Um, yeah, and she's referring to um, this guy's name. I, I'm not going to pronounce it well, but it's like uh, Andrzej Zalowski. Yeah, this is another film that's like really interesting because it's, um, I think it's like a U.S. film, but it's... Or like a U.S. Maybe production. English language, maybe. Yeah, right? but the director, I believe, is Polish. Uh, it says born in the Ukraine. Ukrainian. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Sam Neill is from New Zealand. She is from France. It takes place in Germany. It's one of these films yeah. that's kind of like all over the place, uh, which is really interesting. Um, yeah, because I think like the it takes place in Berlin, and that like is a very interesting aspect of like everything else that's going on right, with these, yeah. this couple. Yeah, especially I think at this time, right? This is 1981, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah that's interesting. Um, she told a magazine that it took her several years to get over playing Anna and that she'd never do <sighs> a similar role. Yeah. Um, and then one thing that's really interesting is that um, Ajani won the Best Actress Award at the Cannes Film Festival in 1981 for her performances in Possession and Quartet. Oh, wow, for like two movies. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. So yeah, like she was just like, you know, having moments with uh, yeah. two very different films <laughs> also. Um, 
She then does the film Next Year, If All Goes Well, which is a comedy. Um, In 1982, she does another film called All Fired Up, which is an action comedy. And then uh, she does the last horror film. Um, She has an uncredited role um, along with Karen Black and Chris Christopherson. Yeah, we we wanted to watch this one, but sort of decided with them being uncredited roles, we assumed they were kind of small roles, so maybe not the best for the show. Because I would like to watch this. This Yeah, this sounds like something I want to see. Um, Yeah, the premise says a New York taxi driver stalks a beautiful actress attending the Cannes Film Festival, which coincides with a series of violent killings of the lady's friends. So I'm like all on board with this. Sounds um, great. Yeah. Uh, she then does uh, Antonita, uh, which is a biographical drama. And then in 1983 does a film called Deadly Circuit. Hell yeah, a, great title. A P.I. Um, is obsessed with a cute woman who seduces and kills rich men around Western Europe. Awesome. Yes. Into uh, it. And I believe she is that woman. Oh, the uh, cute woman? The cute woman that is seducing and killing dudes, uh, which I'm all about. Um, and then she does a film called One Deadly Summer, which we just watched. Yeah. Like a little while ago. Yeah. Really liked this movie a lot. Yeah, this is a movie that I had wanted to watch anyway because um, it is considered like a rape revenge film. Um, So uh, Alexandra Heller Nicholas uh, talks about it in her rape revenge book. Um, It's it's a strange movie, and like that saying it's a rape revenge almost like kind of gives away some of like what's happening because it's uh, the story unfolds and is told in such an interesting way. It's not presented in the way you're thinking because we just phrased it that way. Yeah, you know, Um, it's based on a book. very much feels kind of novelistic yeah. in its storytelling. It even has that thing where like multiple characters are narrating the story. Mm-hmm. Again, we're kind of spoiling here because like you really spend like a half hour in one character's perspective before it finally shifts to another one. Yeah, and then continues um, to shift to and like then several starts other more people. rapidly shifting yeah. to other characters. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of telling the story of really this one summer in this girl's life, but really that summer. It, it, kind of encapsulates like yeah. the entirety of her life literally from conception to that point. Yeah, she plays this 19-year-old girl who like moves to this very small town and, you know, is immediately like the I mean, she is always dressing like very sexy and is uh, supposedly like getting around and sleeping with a bunch of different men According in town. to the men around According town. According to the men around town. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this one man becomes really obsessed with her and then seemingly out of nowhere she's like, "Okay, great. Let's get together. Like yep. I'm moving in with you. We're getting married." Yep. But like at the same time is like asking all of these like questions about like this family's past and like their connections to other people. So it's like, it becomes kind of clear that there is probably an ulterior motive here and that she isn't just really into this, uh, kind of weird sex obsessed, uh, mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. Just say a, like, what did I call him? A horny louse. Yeah, Yeah. That's yeah. He's just like, He's asking everyone about her yeah. that he thinks has like slept with her because yeah. he's like interested. And it's yeah. like, dude, like, yeah, why yeah. are you so gross? Yeah. She's like in all these pastel colors throughout this movie, yeah. which is actually like uh, for us was like, oh wow, like she looks uh, so different She's also in this and very great. tan, yeah. uh, which I feel like in most things I've seen her in, she looks so pale. Yeah, she's like porcelain. Yeah, um, so it was all like she just looks so drastically different. Yeah. And then yeah, she's playing this really interesting character that like 
has a lot of has a lot of stuff going on. I think this is a character that she probably liked because it has a lot of this depth. Um, where this she's, is without a doubt her most dynamic performance yeah, that we watched, in my opinion. I'm really happy we watched this one yeah. because she th- she is like the central character and she does so much. Like she yeah. is like being you know flirtatious and then aloof at other times and then just like totally losing it at other moments. Um, She has, like, a lot of really dramatic scenes with, Mm -hmm. like, her family members. And so it's just, like, interesting seeing the range of of acting that she does in this film. Yeah, and the story kind of unfolds like a mystery almost, which is kind of cool, too. Like, I I really liked this. Like, And actually, the more we're, like, talking about it, the more I'm realizing how much I liked it. Like, it's the kind of movie that I feel like uh, if you just, like, described it to me, I'd be like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, um, but like watching it, I was like so immediately invested in it, I know. and it really because it's kept, long. Uh, yeah, it is, and it kept me in there like the whole time. Yeah, you know? it was like, and she is just fucking tremendous in this movie. She's like, great. it really this was this is the entirety of her range as an actress in one movie. I know um, it was all the things we talked about. Like, yeah. oh, it's amazing how much different like she stuff can be she cold, does. she can be warm, she yeah. can be sexy, she can be damaged, she can be frightened, she can be powerful, she yeah. can be like. She is so fucking good in this movie. I know. It's it's definitely worth watching for her performance. Yeah. Um, and then in 1985, she does a film called Subway, which we also watched. Yeah, we did. And, uh, and liked a lot. A whole lot for all the shaming we just did of... Um, uh, now I can't even think of his Polanski. fucking name. Roman Polanski. Uh, Luke Besson, I understand, deserves exactly the same amount of shaming. Uh, but I don't give a fuck. I, Subway was incredible. I loved <laughs> Subway so much. Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't know about uh, some of that until we were uh, watching to... Subway. But that makes sense to me because yeah. he's uh, who did the professional. He's who did the professional. The professional is a really good movie that has really good performances. But there also is this like very young girl that Natalie like Portman plays, and there is like a lot of weird sexual stuff kind of yeah. like going on there that is really uncomfortable. And I think you find that stuff throughout a lot of his career. Yeah, he also made the movie Lucy. Do you remember the movie Lucy? The movie that dares to ask the question, what if a woman became a USB thumb drive? Oh, yeah. Was that Johansson? Yeah. What if Scarlett Johansson was a computer? Weird. Yeah, Yeah. okay. I do remember that movie. There's also so many movies that are just a woman's name, and it's like she's mysterious and a killer and all this other stuff. A lot of them are Luc Besson movies, by the way. That's so weird. Like a bunch of them are his movies. Okay. Um, Like La Femme Nikita, I think, is him as well. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. Uh, That's like totally his thing. I actually thought like her character in this movie was a pretty interesting female character I that had like really a really dynamic story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she fucking rocks in this. There's like, this scene where she goes to dinner and like it is very clear that she just like does not give a shit about the life she has created anymore and like doesn't want to like be at this house with her husband with his friends and is just like fuck all of you people like I'm done with this bullshit. She shows up with a fucking mohawk and sits down and tells this woman she doesn't give a shit about the story she's telling her. I mean how many times have we wished we could talk to people like that like (laughs) it's amazing yeah and okay so Subway is it stars Christopher Lambert credited as Christoph Lambert which Mm -hmm. maybe is his name and I just have always thought it was Christopher I'm Mm -hmm. not sure Um, and uh, he plays like this guy that I guess is like a thief or a criminal and shows up in the, the movie starts with a car chase. We mm-hmm. just, he's being chased by people. We don't know why the chase ends in a subway. 
like a subway tunnel yeah. that he then never leaves for the entirety of the movie. Almost the entire movie takes place yep. in the subway system yep, of like France. Underground world of like people that kind of just live in the subways. Yep. He just like becomes yeah. a subway person with this like community of other subway people. Yeah. He helps start a band of other subway people yep. that are really fucking good. And there's all these like great musical sequences in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, one of his friends just wears roller skates all the time and that have light like bulbs thief. on them yeah. and is also a thief. Uh, so he's got these little headlight roller skates that he mm-hmm. uses like throughout the subway system. This movie just has like an energy and, a, and it looks like a yeah. Walter Hill movie. It, yeah. lo- it has that like particular... It reminds me of the Warriors in yes. like a few different ways. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like it is almost like what if the taking of Pelham 123 but the Warriors. Uh, yeah. It's like ki- kind of. Um, and it just has this really bizarre tone that it fully commits to. It's very confident in its storytelling, even though it it's is... It's got a really good sense of humor. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah. I-, I just like loved the fucking vibe of this movie. The music's great. Yeah. Johnny is so fucking cool in this and plays such a fun character where like basically she's been like married to this I think we're to understand is like maybe kind of a criminal mob boss or something yeah he's like at least at the very least just a rich dude that can pay people to do whatever he wants and sometimes it's illegal stuff yes and she gets tied up with this thief because she's just bored basically and invites him to a party where he tries to steal from them yeah steal something that they never refer to as anything other than the papers over the course of the movie and they are trying to get the papers back from this basically homeless guy that lives in the subways and she because she is fucking sick and tired and bored of Mm -hmm. her rich ass privileged life is just like look i'd rather fucking live in the subway with you this is exciting you're interesting like you can keep the papers i don't give a shit i know uh, it opens up this like world for her that she didn't know she wanted and it's pretty amazing i really fucking dug this movie and it just is really confidently directed it looks great uh there's these really like incompetent cops that call each other batman and robin throughout the film which is really funny yes and everyone calls them batman and robin like over the over the walkie talkies i was like batman where are you we need you but he but they are and they at the beginning when they get introduced the the like the head cop guy is like Oh, we got Batman and Robin today. They're the best of the best. Don't worry about it. And yeah. you think that they have those nicknames because they're actually the best. And then you spend the whole movie being like, these guys are lazy, incompetent. Like, yep. they don't care about their jobs. Nope. I I cannot recommend Subway highly enough, except that Luke Basson made it. And so maybe you shouldn't watch it. I mean, we stole it. So if you're going to watch it, just <laughs> steal it because he doesn't deserve money. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Stealing it made me feel better. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, in 1987, uh, she does the film Ishtar with Warren Beatty, Dustin Hoffman, and Carol Kane, uh, which was directed by Elaine May. Yeah, I really wanted to watch this one. We just didn't find time for it. I like um, kind of forgot about it until just now. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, it's like I believe Elaine May's last movie. It's yeah. like the movie that sort of quote unquote like runs her out of Hollywood. Yeah, it's this big flop that they spent a bunch of money on that I think has gone on to become kind of a cult classic comedy. I understand mm-hmm. that it's actually pretty funny and good. Elaine May is like, you know, one of the great comedy directors. She's uh, was part of a comedy team, something in May, I forget. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, you know, oh, Nichols in May. I think her and, and Nichols were like a comedy team together. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I've always wanted to see this. I've heard it's, it's pretty cool. And I actually didn't know Johnny was in it. Yeah. 
1988, she was in the film Camille Claudel. Um, she actually co-produced this film and starred in it. Um, it's the biopic of a sculptor. Um, she received uh, her second Oscar nomination for the role in the film, becoming the first French actress to receive two Oscar nominations. Holy shit. Um, the film was also nominated for the Academy Awards for Best Foreign Language Film. Um, and the director was her former partner, Bruno uh, Nitten. Um, and she actually, like, said, like, she she was, like, wanted to find the right person to direct this film and direct her in this. Because it seems like this is one of the films that was really, like, close to her. Okay. And she said, like, you know, we're no longer together. But, like, this person, like, he would be the person I want to direct me. Which I, I think is such cool. kind of a cool and, like, yeah. interesting, like, thing to be like, oh, yeah, even though, like... We're not uh, item anymore. Like I think you're the best person to direct me in this. That's pretty interesting, and and you know, uh, I, I guess not knowing anything beyond that, it's like seems to speak to like, yeah, your romantic relationship can end, but yeah. you know, if <laughs> as long as you're decent people, like you may still have uh, uh, like things that together. you can do together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we have her roles in the 90s. So in 1993, she was in a film called Toxic Affair, which is a comedy. Okay. Um, and then in 1994, she was in Queen Margaret. Uh, young Margot. Queen, Margot, yeah. Uh, I don't know why my brain just wants that to be Margot when <laughs> I look at it. Uh, young Queen Margot finds herself trapped in an arranged marriage amidst a religious war between Catholics and Protestants. She hopes to escape with a new lover, but finds herself imprisoned by her powerful and ruthless family. Okay. I she does a lot of these period pieces too, which uh, I actually do have like a a love for <laughs> yeah. some period That's pieces. Less my thing, and and specifically stuff with royals, palace like, intrigue. Uh, yeah. I I don't know why I, I really love it. It's I I mean this is the kind of stuff I loved before I got into like horror and genre yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I I love a good period drama. Um. And then in 1996, she was in the remake of Diabolique with Sharon Stone and Kathy Bates. Which um, we fucking watched because we you had just introduced me to Diabolique, the 1955 yes, movie, which like last great. year, I think, yeah. or two years ago. Yeah, something. it's like on Criterion. Yeah. Um, it's part of it's been a part of their collection for yeah, years. Yeah, really beautiful black and white movie that yeah. has a really great ending. Um, yeah, it's got like good twists and turns. Yep. It's like a fun like noir yeah. thriller that's I, about these like this wife and the mystery of like her husband scheme to kill him because he's this terrible person and yep. then things kind of go awry. Yeah, uh, yeah. The murder doesn't go as planned. Yes. Uh, and so like that's really good but like, you know, that is such a classic that I feel like a lot of people probably don't like that it was remade. But that premise is perfect for like 90s erotic thrillers. <laughs> Which is totally what this is. Specifically starring Sharon Stone, uh -huh. who I now am in love with and she have a huge so crush on. fucking good in this movie. Oh my God. And again, I know I'm biased because yeah. I think she's the greatest thing yeah. ever now. Uh, but like, I thought they were really good together. And then once like Kathy Bates doesn't get introduced until like halfway in the film and she's like a private detective. Yeah, she's like uh, a private eye. And she and Sharon Stone are so so good together they go and it's, toe to toe yeah. as just like like two wolves that know like one of them needs to out alpha the other yes. you know and like oh man they are so fucking good and it's obvious they're both like kind of trying not like to well sharon stone's character is definitely trying to control like a johnny's yeah. character uh but like it's very obvious they're both vying for her like attention yes. and want to get her alone to like tell her what to say and do yes. or like get information from her and so it's like interesting her being 
put between these two very dynamic women. Yeah. And Ajani's like kind of playing this like oftentimes like meek character. This is a much meeker character for her yeah. than usual. Yeah, yeah. Um and you know it it does give a different twist to the 50s one. I think which this is I what think, people hate most about it. But I loved it. <laughs> it really worked for me. me and I'd rather it have a different ending than the other one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, too. I was like, I, as it was going on, I was like, are we just going to see the same right. ending as the 50s one? Because that would actually kind of bore me. Because the details up to that point are often pretty much the same. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Until you get, like, almost exactly to the end. Yeah. like, And then all of a sudden there's, like, it's kind of like an added twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which ultimately works best for me as, as far as like a girl power, like women fucking showing like shitty dudes, like what what's yeah, going on? I, th- I think as a 90s erotic thriller, as yeah. this being an adaptation of this story that is distinctly a 90s erotic yeah. thriller, it's a pretty cool, fun ending. Yeah. There's also like a queer element to it, which I really mm-hmm. enjoy. Uh, and you I know, I couldn't remember if the original movie. I don't think it does. Was or maybe it's like I don't perhaps know. not as explicit as this one is, it and this one is still not totally explicit. It's like yeah, kind of dancing right on that line. Yeah, I mean, there's this kind of thing like at the beginning where like a Johnny's character is like feeling guilty that she wants to like kill her husband yeah. and is like. Oh, I can't love someone that treats me this way, and yeah. and Sharon Stone's like, can't you? Yeah, yeah. And so it is this whole thing about like these people that like are all maybe in love, but like are fucking really fucked up people yeah, yeah. that actually don't know how to express that <laughs> in any sort of way, and so they're just fucking terrible yeah, to each all, other, like, manipulating each other. Uh, so it's very fascating. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I. Thoroughly enjoyed. This I thought movie. it was pretty fun. I yeah. thought it was. Very I, fun. I can recommend this to people. I think uh, with appropriate context, this is yeah. uh, pretty fun. And I really just wanted to watch it because the idea of um, Isabel and Sharon Stone, Sharon Stone together, together yeah, I was like, whew. does not disappoint on that level, no. even a little bit. Yeah, not at all. Uh, and then in 1998, she does a comedy romance called Paparazzi. A paparazzi. Um, and then we get to her films in the 2000s. So in 20, in 2002, she does The Repentant. Uh, when an indistinct woman named Charlotte leaves a train station in hopes of changing her life forever, she's followed by a mysterious stranger with ill intentions. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, this is one of the ones that we tried to find. Yeah, we couldn't find it, yeah. It's got this really great cover of like, her all in black with like uh, a big black suitcase and maybe a black umbrella on the beach. And something Ooh. about that look just was like, oh, this <laughs> is totally like working for me. Um, and then she's in a period drama called Adolf. Um, and then in 2003, she does a film called Bon Voyage. Uh, an actress, a writer, and a student and a government worker band together in an effort to escape Paris as the Nazis move into the city. Uh, she's then in a movie called Monsieur Ibrahim, uh, which is a comedy drama. And then in 2008, she was in a film called Skirt Day, uh, which we really wanted to see. I would, but if anybody knows how to get their hands on Skirt Day, like please, please reach know. out to us and let us know. I would really like to see this. Yeah, unfortunately, like we, because we tried to like watch at least something from like every decade or yeah. so, but we had a lot of trouble finding anything. International first. movies are sometimes hard to find in America. Yeah. It's just interesting that it's like later ones yeah, would yeah. be hard to find. Yeah. Um, but Skirt Day is about a teacher driven to exasperation from insults and insubordination. She takes her class hostage. Yeah. like, And I read like Sounds a wild. little bit more about this. And I think what I understand is like, 
something happens where she like accidentally kills one of her students and then has to take the rest of them hostage in a bid to prove her innocence in killing the other one or something like Jesus. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that sounds like, wild. Like, it sounds wild. Yeah, and this was, like, one of the things I saw was, like, this is Ijani's first film in five years. Like, yeah, it was, yeah. like, such a big deal that she came back to do this particular role. Right. Um, and then her roles in the 2010s, she does a film called Mammoth starring Gerard Depardieu, um, that, which is a comedy cool. drama. Yeah. And then in 2011, she did a film called Day Force. Uh, Following a series of unresolved robberies, the authorities decide to give carte blanche to Commander Claire D'Amico to neutralize a particularly organized gang. I actually kind of tried to find this one because I think she is like the the sort of PI detective. And I was like, that sounds fucking dope to me. Uh, Like a serious cop drama where she's like the detective or whatever. Yeah. And I feel like those are fun roles for her as like an older woman and stuff, too. So I would like to see some of that. Yeah. Um, in 2012, she does a film, a drama called uh, David at uh, Madame Hansen, and then a n- 2013, a romantic comedy called Ishk in Paris. Uh, and then in 2014, does or another romantic comedy called French Women. Um, and then in 2016, she does a film called Carol Matthew, which I saw uh, actually a lot about. Uh, it seems like another role that she really enjoyed. Okay. Um, humiliated by the pitiless man- managerial techniques they have to endure, employees bring all their misery to the company doctor. Uh, unable to curb this daily flood of suffering or make the rigid hierarchy accept their responsibility, she takes radical decisions to act by helping an employee commit suicide. Holy shit. Wild. That uh, sounds weird. And she's weird. the like doctor, the title character. All right. Uh, and then in 2018, she does a film called "The World Is Yours," which is a comedy drama. Which yeah. I know you tried to find. It's well, I believe it's be... available on Netflix. So oh, if people cool. want to check this out. It's available. I think it's like a crime movie. It seems like something I would be interested yeah. in. You less so, maybe. But um, it seems like it. It is like a quirky crime drama. Something like and that. And I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um. And then her films in the 2020s, uh, so 2020, she's in a film called um, Sawyer's uh, about three sisters who are torn apart when one of them decides to write a play about their dying father's life. Hmm. Um, And then she has two films, uh, one called Peter Von Kant, which is in post-production, and then a film called Masquerade, which is currently filming, uh, but there were no, like, further details on either of those projects. Love that she's still working. Yeah, me too. Um, So, yeah, like, uh, she holds the record for most Caesar Awards for Best Actress. Um, She's won for Possession, One Deadly Summer, Camille Claudel, Queen Margot, and Skirt Day. Hell yeah. Um, she was also in a short film by Agnes Verda called You've Got Beautiful Stairs, You Know, okay. uh, which I was kind of interested in just because we've I never seen I wonder if that's on Criterion, Varda. yeah. Um, she was also given a Double Cans Film Festival Award in 1981 and received two Academy Award nominations for Best Actress and in 2010 received the Legion of Honor, which is the highest French order of merit. Okay. Um, I assume it's like being knighted in France yeah. from what I could tell. The Legion of Honor. Uh, she recorded a million sell a million dollar selling album in 1983 with the hit single "Pull Mar- Marine," uh, written by Sergey Gainsbourg. Uh, the video was shot by Luc Besson. Oh, there you go. Yep, I gotta look that song up. Um, 
Oh, I had I had this uh, just as a note that like in 2004 she talked about like uh, a musician she was dating and found out he was cheating on her and she just immediately dumped him, which I was like, good for you, girl. Good for her. You fucking deserve better. Yeah. Um, she's very close friends with Sharon Stone. Hell so yeah, I'm love imagine. See, that's one relationship that. I love imagining. Oh, me too. All the other relationships she's had with other people seem like uh, scary to imagine. Yeah. Her no, I want to hang out with her and cool. Sharon Stone. Yeah. That sounds really fun. And Kathy Bates. Yes. Um, yeah, she's like kind of an interesting person. It seems like she has some kind of like mixed like social and political stuff. I know in like 2018, I found some information about her being an anti-vaxxer. Haven't seen what COVID has done Big to change thumbs that. thumbs down, bro. Fuck off. Um but also, like, uh, there was this crazy story. So in 87, um, Ajani was um, that, like, there were tons of, like, headlines about her. Um, there were all these rumors that she had AIDS because she was this, like, Whoa. outspoken, like, uh, person, like, talking about the AIDS epic. Ep- epidemic and newspapers went as far as to like claim that she was dead so she was actually forced to appear on national news to refute the rumor that she was dead um and this is also at the point where she like find like talks about being algerian and talks about like the prejudices that she Mm. and like her father and like other algerian people have faced uh which is like really crazy and uh kind of interesting just like Again, not knowing a ton, especially in France, about, like, what those prejudices and, like, racism is like. Um, But I assume, like, that must be hard. Um, She uh, had, like, some some interesting notes, too, just, like, kind of about her career. Um, Because we talked about one thing where she's been doing, like, less and less work over the years. And if you were... I feel like our initial reaction was like, oh, man, that sucks. Like, she doesn't get put in stuff. Um, But, like, one of the things that she talks about is um, really appreciating uh, the career that, like, Daniel Day-Lewis had. Um, So she said... To me, it's all about making sense to myself uh, because there are so many films you can do and there are reasons there are reasons that come from you, reasons that come from circumstance. For me, the idea is to just feel that whatever you choose to do is the most important thing that can happen to you. Otherwise, I get really bored, even guilty. Like, why am I doing this here? Is this film even going to mean anything to me? Might this film mean something to others? If the answer is yes, absolutely, then I have no hesitation whatsoever. And it's pretty rare to find such a beautiful combination. I admire the father of my child, Daniel Day-Lewis. He has never asked about why he's not working why he doesn't do films back to back he makes them like every four years because because um they become him the film becomes the center of his life the full reason of being an actor an interesting note about again that like gender divide there of like yeah nobody's ever like hey man how come you're not working but like with a with a woman it's like hey what are you doing why aren't we seeing you on our screens all the time yes yeah and like uh you know we like kind of also talked about how she tries to make a splash in america doing walter hill and then eventually just says like she was like you know i just kind of stayed away from like hollywood and she's actually refused quite a few uh american roles as well i bet i I can't imagine she's not also you know it's like barbara crampton gets called all the time to like do something you know i can't imagine she's not an actress that like other young directors are like oh well i wonder if we can get her for you know sure and then um, she also talks about producing. She's only produced a couple films, but this also gave me some interesting insight into like 
the French film industry. Um, she said, it was too soon in France for someone to understand an actress who would produce when I first tried. American actresses are much better at doing that. France is the country where the producer is God, the director is nothing, <laughs> and the actress belongs to the director. It is now changing, and you don't have to wait for the God to choose. <laughs> I'm working on developing a few projects. I have been offered as a producer and actress. I think the more you work, the less tired you get. I like to work with teams and people, um, which I think I was just like, oh, that is interesting. Just like how we think of films, yeah. I think is like different because I think we think of the director as being like the center of everything. So her being like, no, it's the producer in France, yeah, um, which makes sense when she's like the co-producer of that film and gets to kind of call the shots on like who she wants to direct it, which was very interesting to me and like not a thing I had really heard of. Yeah, that is interesting. So, you know, it sucks that she's an anti-vaxxer, but cool lady otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe her tune has changed since I COVID. would hope so. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, so some of the sources that uh, I used, uh, the playlist.net had a good interview with her, Washington Post as well, um, heyguys.com, and the New York Times, um, as well as uh, Rolling Stones, which actually has uh, an article about her work with Elvis Costello, basically, oh, uh, okay, cool. which is kind of cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, this was a great episode for me because, like, I had just long been fascinated by her from one role in one movie. Yes. And feel like we kind of actually did a good job of getting to, like, take a really good look at a few different corners of her career and seeing, like, really, like, what a huge, tremendous, like, impactful actress she is. Yeah, she's uh, she's done so much. It's, like, been it was pretty cool to actually, like, see more of her roles because, yeah, besides, like, you know, the driver you introduced me to. So that yeah. was probably the first thing I saw her in. And then after that possession. Yeah. And so, you know, I knew her and just her look. And so it was great to like see the range of, uh, of work that she's done. Yeah, truly. And, you know, I discovered a new favorite movie, Subway. I can't talk about it. We can never talk about it, but I love it. Subway the best. <laughs> God, I know. It's so, I want to talk about it so much, but also we shouldn't talk about that movie <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cool. Awesome. Uh, ready to get out of here? Yeah. Uh, you can find us everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast. Look us up, tweet at us. Uh, Tori runs our social media. She does a great job. Find us on Instagram, email us. Um, you can find me everywhere at Philadelphia. That's with an F. And um, I'm on uh, moviejohn.com where you can also find our podcast. Yeah. You can find me, uh, Tori Potenza, on social media things as well, uh, including Letterboxd and Instagram. Uh, yeah. Trying to. Right now, we're still on our summer break, so just, like, running the uh, the Twitter page as best I can as we're, like, not posting new episodes, but trying to keep things interesting. You did a great job. Interesting. I Thank like the you. bonus features. They're great. Thank you. Yeah. I got to do some more this week, actually. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we will be, uh, be back next week with a new episode. Heck, yeah. Buzz, buzz. Buzz. <laughs>